I'd like to start, first of all, by saying thank you for this opportunity. And also, thank you for the prayer on my behalf. Um, I'm out of my element. I, I feel safe. It's right down there. But um, we're going to give this a shot anyway. Okay. Uh, you know how it is when you're going to start any project. It's always helpful to have a list. You... Uh, going to go to the grocery store. You write it all down, the, the meat, the milk, potatoes, and eggs. And then off to the store you go. You, uh, you'll get to the store, and if you're like me, you'll realize you left the list at the kitchen counter. So you go home with a bag of potato chips and soda pop. But um, everything in life has a list. Whether you write it down or whether it's mental, there's always a list involved. Um, when going back to school, sure, there's a list. But in my day, it was pencils and paper, and that's about it. Nowadays, you got your tablet or your calculator and all kinds of stuff. If you're going to build something, you're going to make a list of your materials, lumber, uh, tools, what have you. You're going to travel, you're probably going to have a list of places you want to stay things you want to see, maybe even restaurants you want to eat at. But um, today we're not going uh, grocery shopping. We're not going to build anything. We are not worried about school supplies, and we're not going to travel. But there's still a list. As it turns out, I have a list I'd share with you today. Before I give you my list, I would first like to read a definition for you. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word addicted as follows. Exhibiting a compulsive, chronic, physiological, or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity. Physiological refers to the body, and psychological refers to the mind. So that means that an addict will experience a need uh, for a substance behavior, or activity. A compulsive, chronic need that can be physical or mental or both combined. So, on this occasion, my topic will be the evils of addiction. Or if you will, been there, done that. Uh, as we go on, I'm going to start with the list that I mentioned, and it can be found in Galatians, uh, the fifth chapter, 16 through 21. And a similar version of this list can be found in other scriptural locations, but we're going to start with this one. The list doesn't actually start until about verse 19, but it never hurts to read extra verses. And so... Here's what it says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things ye would. But if ye are led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. 
Now we get down to verse 19, and that's actually where the list starts. And it reads, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I told you before, I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Quite a list, you might say. But um, it doesn't sound like a list of addictions. So let's use different words. How about we use infidelity, morally or spiritually impure, pornography, idolatry, that could be false gods, uh, witchcraft, uh, that's magic, um, hatred, that one pretty well covers the rest of that verse that it's in, um, jealousy, it's in there. The verse ends up with murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And these are powerful words, and I don't feel it's necessary to change them. Uh, I would like to include a couple more, though. Uh, when we're talking about addictions, we can also include smoking, drugs, and gambling. There's others, I'm sure, but for now, we'll, we'll go with those. So if you don't know me or my history... You might be asking yourself, well, who's this guy to be talking to us about addictions? What can he know about the subject? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about what I know of the subject. For approximately 40 years, I was a major supporter of the tobacco and whiskey industries. That sounds kind of like I was a stockholder, but no, uh, to be blunt, I was a smoking drunk. Um, let's, let's go to another scripture. Okay. In Proverbs, the 23rd um, chapter, verse 29 through 35. I'm going to read it off the screen because my handwriting is pretty bad right there. But anyway, it says there, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it again. Yet again, it says. That was me. And for a lot of years, I would say, I cannot quit. Remember my definition? Exhibiting a compulsive chronic 
physiological or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity. I cannot quit. It turns out that was a lie. I told myself, truth be told, I did not want to quit. And that's continued for 35 to 40 years. So here I am going along, minding my own business, not suspecting nothing, when all of a sudden I'm told, you have cancer. I got to tell you, that was kind of scary. So I started doing some research, um, and um, I learned I'm not Superman. Uh, the tobacco and the whiskey were major contributors to the particular type of cancer I had developed. And this was my wake-up call. I was told that the cancer was treatable, but that if I continued uh, to do the things that I was doing, then my treatment would be taking three steps forward and two steps backwards. So it was at this point in time that I don't want to quit became I quit. And it was going to be difficult, probably my hardest endeavor. But we have another scripture that helps with that. Uh, James, the first chapter, 12th verse through 15. If we read, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So it was real easy for me to allow myself to give in to the temptations. And they became habits, and then they became uh, addictions. And I can't really say I'd be happy to talk about my experience with somebody. I would be willing if it would help them. I would talk about things I've been through. But I'm on a limited time right now, so we're going to go on. So how does someone overcome an addiction? Well, there's many methods. Uh, there's rehab centers. There's AA meetings. There's uh, medical assistance, counseling, hypnosis, and more. If something uh, works for a person, then I'm glad. I'd be the first to congratulate them on their success. How did I do it? Well, I made a list. First thing on my list was prayer. Every time I even thought about smoking a cigarette or taking a drink, I would pray to God for strength to resist for five minutes. And that would be sometimes enough to take my mind off of it, long enough just to get me on to another subject, and I'd go on from there. So basically, I quit five minutes at a time. Uh, second thing on my list was to ask others to pray for me and with me for the strength that I needed to overcome my problem. In um, Philippians 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things 
through Christ which strengtheneth me. And he was a big help, uh, no doubt. Number three on my list was to study, which I included the internet, uh, not just the Bible, but for any information I could find that would be helpful to me, then that's, that's what I did. Um, number four on my list was to stay away from people and places where these things were happening. And in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter in 33, uh, it reads, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. A person can be influenced by outsiders. If we go back to our starting list, it can be said that a person can be addicted to anything on that list. I seriously hope I do not know anybody who's addicted to murder. But there probably are such folks. Whatever an addiction someone suffers from, the Bible has a help and answers for all of it. Just pick one. Smoking? Yeah, that was one of mine. I, I smoked three and a half, four packs a day. Uh, gave myself emphysema. Uh, really was tearing myself down with those cigarettes. But I didn't find a verse that said, thou shalt not smoke. What in instead, what I found was a verse that says, there in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter and 16th and 17th verse, it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Uh, how about gambling? Again, I don't find specific anti-gambling scriptures. But in Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter in verse 10, it says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance. This is also vanity. Uh, in Timothy, no, I'm sorry, yeah, First Timothy, the sixth chapter in verse 10, we read, For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. When I started putting this together, the words addict, addiction, addicted, are not biblical words. So when I was doing my searching, I used my own addiction of alcohol uh, to do my searching. And I mentioned uh, that there's more than one location where this list is. Um, another one I like is 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, verse 9 through 11, where it reads, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Next verse in that list there is my favorite. 
And that verse reads, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. All the possible addictions are mentioned in these lists. Uh, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, and uh, 16 through 21, it says, the lust of the flesh. And there's another phrase in there that says, and such like. Pretty well covers all of it. Uh, and doing anything, any of them, will keep a person out of the kingdom of God. So now then we have a person who has an addiction and they decide they want to end it. Where do they turn? Where do, where do they go? Um, like I said, there are many ways. And if one works for them, I'm, I'm glad for them. AA did not work for me. I went to the meetings. They didn't work. Medical assistance did not work for me. Um, rehab was out of my price range. What worked for me was fear, determination, and most importantly, asking God for help. Then you might ask, what scriptures would be inspirational or useful for guidance? Well, I have a list. We'll start with um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, where we read, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Another one is uh, James, the fourth chapter, in verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. On that same slide, there is uh, Psalms. And it reads there, Psalms 15, uh, verse 15. We read, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. How about... Titus, the second chapter, verse 11 through 12, where we read, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation unto uh, bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Um, I have one more. Romans the 8th chapter and verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Uh, about this point, while I was putting all this together, I thought I was finished. I thought, I'm done, that's, that's enough. So I shared it with David and also with Garland, asking them for advice and input. And both of them, both these gentlemen had positive input. But one of them said to me, make it scary. Make it scary? At that particular moment, I could not think of anything scarier than not being allowed into heaven because I continued my daily habit of getting drunk. Drunkenness is prohibited, period. Then when I changed my thoughts from... 
what scares me about eternity? I started thinking, what scares me about my addiction here on earth? Well, I have a list. First thing on my list was matrimonial destruction. I honestly don't know how my wife was able to stay with me all these years, and she was on the verge of leaving. But um, that was truly scary to think that if I continued to do those things, uh, mainly the alcohol, if I continued to do that, she was going to leave me. And that, that was pretty scary. Number two on the scary list uh, was I was forcing my immediate family away from me. Uh, my parents, my brothers, my sister, um, they started wanting to avoid me. Um, they wouldn't take my phone calls. Um, and this continued for the duration. But they're, they're all glad to have me back, though. Uh, number three on my list was that um, I was always afraid someone was going to find out how I was truly behaving. One way that a person can find out how a person is behaving is through public records. Now, how's that for scary? Um, I wouldn't want to meet that guy in a dark alley, I tell you. But, and that's not the only picture like that. There are four others. But that wasn't enough. So, um, how about, um, what else is scary about this? Unexplained personal injury. On three separate occasions, I woke up with broken bones that I had no explanation for as to how they happened. The broken bones, that's not new. That wasn't a new experience, but the fact that it happened without me knowing how or when or why, or that was the scary part, that I could lose time like that. So um, another thing that I have after uh, that I can mention is scary. How about doing something that could cause death or injury to someone else or uh, you know, hospitalization, very serious things. Uh, and that is, I truly wanted a photograph from my past to include on this uh, right here, but um, that picture doesn't exist anymore. And um, I don't know that I can paint you a mental image that correctly describes that picture, but I will try. Imagine, if you will, uh, myself at the age of 17, learning about alcohol. And um, after work one day, a co-worker uh, told me, hey, let's go to my apartment and we'll drink a bottle of wine. Oh, it was a big bottle of wine. Well, I thought, yeah, that's a good thing to do. Let's do that. So we did. Uh, and I was in a, a 1969 Chevy Impala that my parents had loaned me to go back and forth to work in. And sometime uh, later in the evening, 
I woke up realizing that I wanted to get home in a hurry. And um, uh, no doubt I was in a hurry. That night, I left the road at 110 miles per hour, and the front end of the car went into the dirt, and the back end had plenty of momentum, and I went end over end several times out into a farmer's field, finally coming to a stop upside down. I had my seatbelt on that night, um, but I was hanging upside down in the car, and I had got out of the seatbelt. Driver's side of the car was smashed flat down to the top of the door. Car's upside down, remember. Um, and I had to crawl out. The passenger window still had enough opening for me to crawl out of. And I did. I crawled out, and I don't have that picture, like I said, but this is similar. Uh, no one should have lived through that, but I did. I, I crawled out of that car, and um, that car sat in front of our um, barn for a long time to come as a reminder to me, which it, it was, but it wasn't enough. A few years after that event, and the details of this one were not clear, one of those occasions where I lost track of time, but I had to once again crawl out of another vehicle that was upside down, and um, it got that way because I was drunk. Um, that wasn't enough. A few years after that, I decided I was going to go for a motorcycle ride with a, a substantial intoxication going on. And I went for the motorcycle ride, and I made it back to the house. And that was a heavy motorcycle. It was a 1980 Goldwing. And I pulled up to the house and was too drunk to remember to put the kickstand down. And I just laid the bike over on my left ankle. Broke both the bones in my left ankle. And I'm pinned under the bike. And I'm hollering for Sharon. I'm blowing the horn on the bike, trying to get some assistance out there, and she thought I was faking. She left me lay out there for a long time. Eventually, she came to check on me and realized, no, I wasn't faking. I needed some help. And so she called a friend, and he got me out from under the bike and went on my way to the hospital. But um, uh, I'm not stating any of this with uh, any kind of pride. I have more or less a sense of shame involved in that. The embarrassment, uh, personal injury, messing up my marriage, my family life, all of that is about as scary as I can make the earthly part. But the real scary part is the knowledge that um, I would lose my soul. Drunkenness is prohibited, period. Well, folks, that's uh, pretty much what I have to say. Make it scary? I promise you that a person who continues as a drunk will eventually lose everyone they value. Make it scary? In Galatians uh, 5 and 19 through 21, also in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6 through uh, 9 through 11, there's a long list of things that will keep a person out of heaven. And my addiction to alcohol 
is clearly mentioned on that list. Uh, baptism can wash all of that away. And if you need to be baptized, uh, we can take care of that. You go in the water and you come up a new person. All those sins are forgiven you. And we can help you with that. Uh, if you're not baptized, you need to be. If you have been baptized and need the prayers of the congregation, we can, we can help with that. We can pray for strength, um, power to resist, um, all of these things. Well, if we'll help. If there's anything that we can do to help with you, whatever needs you might have, won't you please come forward while we sing the song? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.